Good evening, and welcome to GB Wire's candidate forum for the Fresno High Area 5 trustee seat on the Fresno Unified School Board. My name is Nancy Price. I'm the education reporter with GB Wire, and I'll be moderating the forum. The four candidates were all invited and all initially agreed to participate in the forum, although only three are here with us tonight. They are Russ Allen, retired teacher, Andrew Fabella, a retired firefighter, and Daniel Renteria, a retired parole administrator. The fourth candidate is Andy Levine, a teacher and community organizer. Let's get started. for joining us tonight and for everyone who is watching us on Facebook Live or on the replay. So a little bit about this special election. Uh, the winner will take the Area 5 seat that was held by longtime trustee Carol Mills, but she passed away last July after a battle with Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, the winner will serve the remainder of Ms. Mills' term uh, through November 2024. Ballots will be mailed out to voters starting on March 14th which is a little under two weeks from tonight. And I'm hoping that in tonight's candidate forum that we'll have some lively conversations with our candidates. Um, some of my questions will be general uh, and will apply to all of the candidates and I'll ask them of, of the three candidates and some will be specific to each candidate. So before we proceed, a note of disclosure. GV Wire publisher Darius Asemi is publisher and CEO of Granville Homes which has made contributions to Daniel Renteria's uh, campaign. Uh, the topics and questions I'll be raising tonight, however, are mine. So first off, candidates, can you please briefly introduce yourselves? Hi, I am Russ Allen and uh, a little bit technologically challenged, but I hope to uh, survive the Zoom interview tonight. And uh, Andrew Fabella, could you go next? Good evening, my name is Andrew Fabella and uh, I'm running for the Area 5 uh, trustee seat. And uh, I hope to uh, uh, be able to instruct or <laughs> instruct, but uh, give information to all of you. Thank you. And Daniel? Hi, my name is Daniel Renteria. I am running for the uh, Fresno High District trustee position. And I'm gonna thank you GBY for allowing me an opportunity to speak tonight. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Let's start out with our first question. Um, and that is, I know you're all walking in the, uh, the area five uh, area, speaking with voters, talking about the issues that are on their minds. What, what, are, what are they telling you are their top issues? And if you're elected to the school board, how would you address those issues? Let's start with uh, Andrew Fabella, please. Well, many of the issues are one, they, they, uh, they asked me about their Iroquois Indian. Uh, why was it taken from them? Uh, why did the uh, community have uh, uh, the uh, given was given no inability to speak on it. Um, I tell them that it was a terrible time to do it, uh, seeing that it was a pandemic time and uh, the school board uh, did not allow um, people to speak at board meetings. So you know it was just uh, three people from uh, Arizona who had no uh, no no uh, part of the Fresno community. So um, they also asked me about. Uh, their classrooms and, and are uh, are things as bad as they are academically. Uh, I show them a printout of the uh, of the iReady uh, 
uh, uh, test scores for the, each school that are in the area. Now, uh, those schools uh, in the area five are range from 6.5 to 14% uh, in terms of uh, pre uh, preparedness for the upcoming school year. So I tell them there's a lot to do, a lot of work. Um, there is corruption uh, in the school district with the administrators who have stolen property from the from the district and uh, the superintendent refusing as well as the board uh, to um, um, have those people prosecuted and have return our, our uh, district money to us so that they can be used on our students. So those are some of the things that I told my term, I'm gonna try and work on to improve. How would you address the issues that you just raised, the school mascot, uh, student performance, and um, theft or misfeasance by, by school employees? Well, in terms of the mascot, I would like to, uh, again, have a, uh, an open forum uh, for the district or for the Area 5 uh, Fresno High area. Uh, allow all stakeholders, uh, alumni, uh, students and parents living in the area and attending Fresno High um, to uh, take part in it. Uh, and that can be as well as uh, business owners that live in the area as well. Um, they should all have the ability to speak on, on the, uh, what they feel about the Iroquois mascot and uh, whether or not it should be replaced. Um, I think they should definitely have the right to, if they believe it should be replaced, to uh, pick their own uh, uh, mascot rather than have the district pick it for them. Um, in terms of, um, of the malfeasance, well, that's simply following the law. Um, they are the, the board is required by law to report malfeasance uh, uh, should it occur. Um, and the fact that they are not doing it is in fact themselves committing felonies themselves. So you're talking about a board that is being corrupt and then they are actually, you have board members backing uh, some of these candidates. And I'm thinking that's pretty scary to me. And uh, the people who I've been talking to are find that quite alarming as well. Um, and in terms of, um, of the um, uh, poor um, academics, um, I'm getting a, bunch, a group of uh, retired teachers and retired administrators together. And I plan to do an evaluation or an audit, you might say, of the schools in Area 5 to uh, assess um, their abilities as principals and as teachers uh, to actually teach in the class so that the school district can, can repair that part of it. And then once we can repair those ends of it, then I can go out into the areas and, and bring parents back into the schools where they belong and help in their child's education. All right, thank you, Andrew. Uh, Daniel, same question to you. Um, what are the voters in Area 5 telling you are their top issues? And if you're elected, what would you, how would you address them? Okay, thank you. I, I do knock on doors every day and I talk to residents, families, and those living in the Fresno High area. And they're very keenly aware that, that, pair, that students are struggling and they're fully aware the students were struggling before the pandemic. You know, the Fresno Unified School District is the third largest district in California. We should be leading in education, but we're not. We function at, we function below the state level. So I think the, the parents are really concerned about getting their students back on track. And I understand that we have to assist parents, teachers, and students to navigate themselves through the pandemic and, and get back on track with their, uh, the academics. Second of all, uh, what's really come to light lately is the, the behavior of the boardroom. At the very beginning of our campaign, we've talked about the distractions and the politics in the school and the boardroom. And that's one thing we need to remove. We need to remove that behavior does not, does no good. It's not helping students to achieve and come forward with their, with their improvement. 
with my background and my experience, I think I can be the voice of reason and find common ground and bring the board members together to do the job that the voters expect them to do. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. And Russ, uh, the same question. Um, what, what are the issues that voters are telling you about and how would you address them if you were elected? Well, uh, as Andrew pointed out, uh, there are many, many people very upset about how quickly they just ramrodded that big F for Fresno High to remove the Iroquois warrior. Without involving the community whatsoever, it was done in almost just let's get this done real quick before anybody notices. Almost criminal the way they've tried to get over on the community, it would seem. And if indeed it is criminal, as uh, Jim Tuck and some of the people assess that it is, um, there is a lawsuit pending. It's going to take time, but I truly believe that the people that ran ramrodded this through should be financially held accountable. Uh, they say, where are we going to get that half million dollars that we spent? Well, did they really have the right to spend it if they didn't have appropriate actions followed? That's a big question that's bothering a lot of people. Then there was the group of parents on the corner of, I uh, wanna say, is it Thorne or Her uh, Ferris? There were daily school. There was a group of uh, angry parents all holding signs uh, for the actions that they're seeing uh, in the requiring of masks and the six foot distancing out on the playground. And, and it almost, it, it, one of them had, our children are students, not inmates, as if they're being treated like prisoners and forced to wear these masks. And some of these uh, mandates, they want to tout the science, but they're only allowing the science that they want to respect. They're not looking at the full scientific community and all of the people questioning. And there's over 50 studies out saying that masks cause more problems than they solve. And so, yes, Clovis is taking a step in the right direction by making it optional for the students, for the families, for the teachers. I believe that they should have the freedom to choose for themselves. And if it's just too terrifying for you to go to school where there are the chance of disease, then at that point, we do need to consider homeschooling. But the socialization that we have robbed children of, not being able to see each other smile, not being able to see how their kindergarten or first grade teacher forms words for phonics, putting their mouth in the precise position you have to, to get those sounds. These, these years, right now we have 12th graders that haven't been in a normal school setting since ninth grade. We have uh, kindergarten first and second graders who have never been in a normal classroom situation. 
The number one most important thing for their psychological development is the socialization skills developed there. And when you can't even see if someone's smiling when they say it, 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 it almost seems like an attack on our children. I hate to say, um, but it, it does bother me quite a bit. Now, there are also a lot of problems in academics, but you know, I keep hearing about people just seeing the failures and it just kind of disheartens me having been a math teacher and I know what our kids are up against. And I know how many kids I got that were completely enumerate when I got them. That's the math equivalent of illiterate. And we would jump them years, but was it enough to say they were at grade level? No. Was it enough that maybe they could balance a checkbook and survive in life? I hope so. But yes, at DeWolf High School, continuation, all dead in general, we are dealing with the kids that were underserved, and there are too many of them. And thank that you, is a constant. Thank you, thank you, Russ. And, and just as an aside, the mask issue is actually kind of moot at this point because of the decision to make a mask use um, a choice starting in mid-March. So I know that's been a hot button issue for a lot of parents, but that's kind of off the table now. Let's move on to the next question. And um, Daniel, I'm gonna ask uh, you to lead off with this one. Um, is there anything unique about the Fresno High area that makes it different from other trustee areas? And what are your qualifications to represent the area? Good question. Uh, I've lived in the Fresno High area for almost 60 years. I've gone to the feeder schools, Hamilton Junior High School, graduated from Fresno High School. My son attended Fresno High School and my grandson currently attends Fresno High School in the special education program. Uh, it's such a unique area. It's a beautiful school. It's been renovated a few years ago, if you've, if you've drawn by there. Uh, very historical dating back to 1989, very historical, going back to, uh, and just, I think it was 1989, they had the 100th year centennial, such a rich history. And, you know, I love my community. I love my all my high school, and I really want to work to continue the, the work that Kara Mills did. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and um, Andrew, could you answer that question? Uh, what's unique about the Fresno High area, and uh, what are your qualifications that, to represent it? You're on mute. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, Fresno High area is a quite a, a diverse uh, area, probably the most diverse area in the city of Fresno. Um, but with it coming to various problems, uh, you have much gang problems, uh, a lot of safety issues that are going on. Um, there are issues in terms of, of, of uh, the lack of, uh, of uh, bilingual students or bilingual teachers that that, uh, that is inhibiting towards those students who only speak one language other than English. Um, the gang, you know, I mean, I've, I've tried to help in terms of bringing uh, great facilities to the district. Uh, I work with Carol Mills in terms of bringing uh, the brand new CTE buildings to uh, Fresno High, as well as to the Duncan, uh, uh, Duncan High School uh, CTE buildings there as well. Um, uh, the new, new uh, elementary school or the new buildings classrooms at, at Slater Elementary were a part of uh, what I fought for for Measure X. Um, so I'm trying to help uh, in bringing uh, uh, better conditions in terms of, of, uh, uh, in terms of how your kids go to school. 
um, they don't have to be in, in, in swelter or in any kind of a, a degraded, dilapidated classrooms. We have the money to, to, to fix those classrooms. And then I wanna give the teachers the resources they need uh, to be able to uh, reach out and engage the students. Uh, I don't believe we're helping teachers enough. I don't believe we're giving teachers enough of a free hand uh, to, to be able to uh, teach their children in a way that they think, think is best and because they know they're, they're students. Okay, I, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna stop you because I think you're verging a little bit from my question, which is what makes Fresno High a unique area. And we may touch on some of these other things. Oh, okay. Sorry for Forget the question. So Russ, same question for you. What's unique about the Fresno High area and what are your qualifications to serve as its trustee? Well, Fresno High area is one of the most historical neighborhoods in Fresno, other than the downtown itself. Um, you know, it extends from the Tower District um, all the way to Highway City. And so one thing that is really unique is the district has put a lot of the sections that house our city's homeless. And Fresno High gets more homeless students probably then it's fair share. And it is a real issue. When students don't have homes, where are they supposed to do homework? And things of this nature. So there are very special concerns in the Fresno High neighborhood and reasons why beyond the student control and beyond the parent control of why there are struggling students there. And so yes, there are supports that need to be put in place uh, for these students that find themselves beyond any fault of their own in these circumstances, And so we do have some students there that are very affluent and we have some that are absolutely some of the poorest kids in Fresno and bridging that gap between the two. Russ, let me inter interrupt you right now. What would you say your qualifications are to serve this unique district with what you've just mentioned? Well, um, I kinda, I live in the Fresno High District. I have since I was eight and a half years old. I went to Fremont, Hamilton and Fresno High. I graduated from Fresno High class of 75, my brother class of 72 and the older brother 69. My daughter graduated there in 99. Um, I have two sons that graduated, I want to say 2001 and 2007. They serve at the 144th and, and they have given me a pulse on what kind of kids they have dealt with in these schools uh, and what kind of problems occur there with regularity. And so I currently have a a sixth grade grandson going to Bullard Talent, who I suspect will be at Fresno High in a few years. But uh, Fresno High is near and dear to my heart because I've lived here. Uh, I've worked with the poorest kids in the district at Wolf, kids whose parents chose drugs over them. I know what the situations are. 
And I do know that there are a lot of very positive resources willing to go to bat to try and combat these problems. Uh, sometimes they get told that, oh, your services aren't needed, thank you. Okay. And Russ, I, I don't understand why, but. All right, thank you, Russ. Let's move on to the next question. And Russ, I'm actually gonna start out with you on this one, that the issue of having police on campus to provide security is still before the school board. Uh, the trustees did not renew the middle school um, community resource officer contracts, but did renew the contracts for um, school resource officers at the high schools. Now the school board is apparently reconsidering that decision about the middle schools. Although the police department, Fresno Police Department is uh, so short on manpower that they wouldn't be able to provide officers again for at least a couple of years. That's a shame. What is your position on having police at school as school resources officers um, well, at middle schools and at high schools? I know many teachers that I worked with who felt safer because the policeman was there. But more importantly was the relationship that was quite often built between an officer and students that are sitting at that crossroads of life trying to make a decision of what they wanna be when they grow up. And having this positive role model there, I have seen taking a kid from that kind of cocky class clown to, I wanna be like that guy. And uh, there was a video, um, uh, Superintendent Rob Nelson uh, played for the staff at the end of, I wanna say, the 2020 school year or the 2019 school year. I forget which one, but he played, an officer was being moved from the school. And the number of kids that were just, you know, had to have hugs goodbye and were in tearful, uh, we're sorry, we're losing you. And how many signs of how they loved him and respected him, how their lives had improved because of he was there. You have to see this stuff happen to know it exists. So it sounds like you're saying that you're in favor of uh, police. Oh, officers. very much, okay. very much. Our our police in those positions have moved a few mountains, in my humble opinion. All right, thanks, Russ. Andrew, uh, same question for you. Uh, should the uh, should the school district renew its contracts uh, to provide? middle school um, community resource, uh, neighborhood resource officers, as well as continue to have school resource officers on the high school campuses. Uh, you're on mute. Uh, most definitely that you renew the contract. Uh, June 4th, uh, you had a, a man with a gun jump the fence at Cooper Middle School. Uh, the school had to go into lockdown, but uh, you know there was no uh, police officer on the campus. I think the staff and the children would have been felt much safer if they had uh, a police officer on that campus. Um, who knows what might have happened, you know, had he not gotten out of the, the, the school grounds. Uh, on July or on June 28th, you had a, a gang shooting in the Slater area. And during the chase, the, the vehicle lost control and it slammed into the front gate of Slater Elementary. So, you know, you, you, uh, you need that kind of, it's, it's a terrible area. Well, it's very gang oriented area, a lot of high gangs. When they, when the district um, made Cooper a, a baccalaureate middle school, 
and they sent the uh, those who were not going to be going into Fort Miller. Well, you're talking about a territorial group of people who were, were with Cooper and Fort Miller, also territorial. When they put him on, moved Cooper into Fort Miller, it was like throwing gas on fire. And all of a sudden, the, the, the principal there had, after about a month, she had a nervous breakdown because of all the rioting that was going on, all the fighting that was going on. But yet there was no officer on that campus that could have helped uh, keep the thing, keep the peace at, at best. So it is definitely a, a requirement to have the police officers on the middle schools. All right, thanks, Andrew. Daniel, same question to you. Okay, thank you. Uh, I have a grandson that attends Fresno High and it's uh, extremely important for me to know that he, when he goes to school, that he's safe and that we create a safe campus. I do support campus resource officers. And when I do talk to neighbors, they're very much concerned about their, their students. So, uh, and, I, and I support that. Yeah, very quick answer, yes. But, but I will say that I, I do believe the officers need to create positive relationships. And I think that's very important. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. My next question is, um, how would you evaluate Superintendent Bob Nelson? What kind of a job do you think he's doing? And if elected, would you want to change anything? And Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Um, I don't believe that Bob Nelson has been a very good leader. Uh, he's a very nice person, but um, he hasn't done the things necessary to uh, initiate change, initiate improvement in our academics. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have corruption now within the, the, the administrators there on the, on the on Fresno Unified. Well, that doesn't, uh, corruption doesn't happen because of good leadership. It happens because of lacks of the, 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 uh, the lack of leadership. Um, when, I, when I ask uh, uh, administrators there uh, at, uh, at our meetings, you know, have these programs were they there last year? Were they there the year before? The year before? And when they say yes, I, I, I often ask them, well, then why are we renewing these, these programs? Um, I ask them often, you know, I ask Mr. Nelson sometimes, you know, what are you doing to encourage teachers or to allow teachers to teach, uh, to be more independent? Uh, and he doesn't say much. He doesn't say anything at all. He allows his, he allows his lower administrators to do that. And so uh, he doesn't have much of an, of an idea as to what is actually going on uh, on, this, on the district. And so, uh, but he makes great commercials. And, um, but I don't think he's a very good leader and a very good superintendent. All right, thank you, Andrew. Uh, Daniel, same question to you. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is a very difficult question because uh, much of the problems that we have today is, is systematic. And it's like a huge shift that we need to turn and it will not turn quickly and very easily, but we need to move in that right direction. I do believe we need to set goals for the district, set goals for Mr. Nelson, and evaluate those goals uh, intermittently and throughout the year to see whether we're meeting those goals and evaluate them and then based our judgment based on the fact whether he's meeting those, whether the district is meeting those goals. I think it's important to take a look at the entire school district, not only just the Fresno High District, and, and, and find out what we can do to improve and set some, uh, some meetings together with the, with the board members and that we come up with an evaluation tool, how we judge and why we evaluate Mr. Nelson. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. And Russ, same question to you. Well, <laughs> once again, you'd had to been there. Uh, having worked for a bully boss, AKA Mr. Hansen, 
teachers had been very disparaged. Did you know there's a teacher shortage? And part of the reason is, is because of all the ails of society have been blamed on teachers. And then you have bully boss superintendents like Mr. Hansen was that came in and treated their principals like a rat dangling over a gator mouth and saying, I'll drop you if you don't do this and this and get your teachers to do this and this. And, and he just created such a bad atmosphere that Mr. Rob Nelson inherited. And inheriting such a mess, it was difficult for him to proceed forward. And he knew that there's a balancing act between, yeah, a few bad teachers. Here's one of the hardest thing about being a teacher. You find out there's a pedophile in your district. Now, every one of you are suspect. And you can't escape that. And that's part of every day that you just don't allow yourself to be caught in a room alone with a kid because in your word against theirs, you lose, Mr. Teacher, Mrs. Let, Teacher. Let, let's still focus, and so, let, let's focus on your evaluation yeah, of, of Superintendent um, Nelson. Mr. Nelson has inherited a hotbed mess. And I think he's done an amazing job of morale improvement amongst his teachers because Bottom line is this, if Mr. Nelson and all of the ivory tower people don't show up, does education continue? Yes, if the teachers are still in their classroom, turn that around. If all the teachers stay home and all those people show up at the ivory tower, does education still continue? I'm afraid not because they have no teachers. And so the bottom line is, Everyone who isn't a teacher is in form a teacher's aid. Are they living up to that? Well, under the, the little time I worked under Rob Nelson, I felt much more supported than I had in the previous years under Hanson or even worse, Santiago Wood. Thank you. Andrew, did you have something to uh, respond to on that? Yes. Um, I would have to say while my daughter was attending school, um, you would think that the superintendent would, would be, would be uh, having oversight over the entire school district, would ensure that uh, qualified teachers are in their classrooms. Uh, my daughter attended Bullard and uh, she at times had to take no teacher in the classroom, none, where you would have a revolving door of counselors and, or a teacher that had an open, an open uh, uh, you know, um, a period that would come in, but, they, but it wasn't the teacher that was supposed to teach that class. She'd had this happen to her, not only her freshman year in math, but her, geometry, her sophomore year geometry. This has happened at Fresno High as well. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother thought, thought 30 years there, and I used to help him in his science lab. And I used to see you know, uh, uh, children, DACA kids getting chased by, and it, it embarrasses me, but chased by Mexican-American students and having the crap beaten out of them. You know, because of the fact that the, 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 the uh, security people not the resource officer, but the security people are nowhere to be found. And these things that our superintendent should be addressing, you know, when, when his lower administrators are not. And when parents come to board meetings and they say these things and he keeps his microphone off 
or when parents come to a board meeting and, and they want to speak to their to their trustee, but the president of the trustee won't let them, that, that superintendent should be turning on his microphone and saying, hey, they came down here. You should let them speak. So he, he's not doing a great job. He's just doing a job well enough. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Andrew. So my next questions are, are the ones that are sort of specific to, uh, to each of you as a candidate. And Andrew, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, in the candidate profile in GV Wire, you said that you were a smoke jumper, but members of the smoke jumper community say that's not true. And given, given this question about your record, should voters consider you to be trustworthy or to, uh, to have credibility? You know, I've never worked with uh, Jason Ramos, uh, but I hear he has a book out, so I'm sure he might be trying to plug it somewhere. Uh, Chuck Shelley says his uh, his database is only 99.9% .9 accurate. Well, come back when you got it 100%, okay? Because if, if it's if he's getting it from a database that, that is government run, that should be 100% accurate. And who knows about Mr. McMillan? I don't know. I've never worked with them. I don't know who they are. But all I'm worried about right now is trying to fix Fresno Unified School District and get our children the best. And, and I've, they can trust me on that by how I fixed Slater Elementary back in 2004 to 2006, how I made Malik Elementary a better performing school back in 2008 to 2009, and how I've been going to over 267 board meetings and working for their rights. In fact, Trust, entrusting them to have a special election by being the only candidate at the August 3rd board meeting and fighting for their right to vote. Okay, so do you wanna trust somebody? That's a person you can trust who's fighting for your right and for your kids. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. All right, this next question is for Daniel. So you haven't been as politically active or as engaged with the school district like several of the other candidates. Why are you now interested in seeking political office and why do you think you would be an effective school board member? Okay, thank you for the question. Uh, I've been involved in the community for well over 40 years in a variety of organizations, nonprofits, dating back to the 80s, working with the Boys Club and working with the, uh, the Police Activities League as on the board member and a volunteer. Uh, I can name numerous other organizations working as a board member of the Fresno County EOC. Um, so I've been, I have been engaged in my community for over 40 years. Um, and I, I, I love my community. I support my community. I'm still involved as a volunteer. I, up to about two years ago, I was the director of the Tower District Marketing Committee. I currently serve on the Tower District Design and Review Committee and also on the uh, District One Police Advisory Council. So I've always had my hands in the community. I love education and what education has done for me. I graduated from Fresno High, went on to graduate from Fresno City College, Fresno State College, and went to work for the state of California for 25 years and had a really successful career and, and supported my family. So I owe that to working hard and also through my education. So I'm a, I have always been a staunch believer and supporter of education. Thank, Thank you, you, Daniel. Thanks. And Russ, this question's for you. Um, and it goes to one of the things that you mentioned uh, in the um, candidate profile about how you decided to run for office. My question is why should people vote for someone who worked for a failing school district for decades, and then who woke up one day feeling a calling to run for the school board? Well, uh, that's interesting that we call it a failing school district because how many 
uh, Fresno Unified graduates have gone on to do great and wonderful things, including Mr. Renteria, myself. Um, you know, yes, we were well supported. And yes, there are failures. Unfortunately, on this planet, it doesn't seem that we can win them all. But we will win every one we can. And I will make a difference for every one that I can. Because I learned working with the, the wolf and the most least advantaged, should I say, the most disadvantaged students in the district. It was that one-on-one -on -one working with them and showing belief and support in them and giving them a mentor that they came back to tell you how they were doing the next year. They didn't have to, why did they? Why did my student come back two years later to say, Mr. Allen, I wanted to tell you this in front of Mr. Duran, your principal, but I just completed my associate's degree. I'm signing up at Fresno State to become a math teacher just like you were. What? When you realize you've made that difference and that students are currently under attack because of these mandates and they're gonna need some quick catching up when the average student is two to three years behind right now, they are going to need some serious resources in the remediation and the catch up department. And I don't see anything around that other than that. And, uh, you know, I, I do agree with uh, my opponents in, in some of their uh, statements. There, there are some undeniable truths about the Fresno High area. And yes, there are gang issues, but that's because there are people that didn't have better opportunities and always looking to provide those better opportunities to provide better choices for individuals who would normally be shoved in a corner. I know about that back table in many teachers' classrooms. I had to go in as the math pushing teacher at Scandinavian to help the ones that the teacher wasn't getting to. So I, I know what goes on in our district, really I do. I've been there and I, I wasn't, with blinders on. Thank you, Russ. And then for those who've just joined us, this is GV Wire's candidate forum for the Fresno High Area 5 trustee seat, the special election. Ballots are going out uh, on March 14th and the deadline to uh, vote is April 12th. Um, so back to our general questions, student performance is something each one of you has already touched on tonight during the forum in one respect or another. Um, Mayor Dyer uh, spoke last year and he said the city can't thrive without having a prepared workforce. And by prepared, he means ready for um, either career or for college. Um, we, we hear so many stories about employers who's, um, are, they hire people and then find out that the, their new workers, they just can't read well enough or do math well enough to be able to do the jobs that they've been hired for. What do you think it will take to turn around the district? And what will you do if you are elected? And Daniel, let's start with you. Okay, thank you. Uh, I will say the best investment in any city is investment in education. 
Uh, Fresno High has a very high education uh, graduation rate, 92%. But if you look at the website, look at the studies, you see that the students are not proficient in math or not proficient in reading. So we need to really bring up those scores to get them college ready, get them educated to graduate and pursue higher education. And for those students that are, that are not interested in, in college, I think we have to create a pathway for vocational training, such as the trades and uh, the apprenticeship programs. So I, I fully believe that we need to really put, you know, put our, our, our best foot forward and uh, starting at the lower level. I think what, what the problem right now is a lot of high school kids get to that level and have difficulty with the three R's. So I think we really need to invest and really focus in on the early, early, uh, early learners and um, get back to the basics of the reading, writing, and the math and prepare them for the real world. I, as I said, my first statement was the best investment in any community is through education. And I agree with uh, the mayor. Thank you. And Russ, the same question for you. Um, what do you think it will take to turn around the district and what would you do if you were elected? Well, a little more assertion of intestinal fortitude. Um, I think there's a concept that has been avoided and it's called end of year exams. And the whole concept of grade levels, um, you know, moving on to the next grade because you're too old. What if you haven't learned what you need to? You just timed out. And so they shove you along and you're going to remain forever behind. We need a sidestep program for students who fall behind. And with as many students as that encompasses at this point in time, it's going to be imperative that we get remediation, a sidestep program, and we actually test kids and don't advance them if they do not have the skills to go beyond that level. I would much rather have a kid with a fourth grade reading level at the end of 12th grade than a, a kindergarten to first grade level because they were just passed on and never remediated. And, and at DeWolf, quite often we'd get kids with kindergarten, and, and first grade reading levels, math levels, and we'd get them up to sixth graders, dagnabbit. But did that show anything for our school? No, but did it make a, a difference for that child? Absolutely. Thanks, Russ. Andrew, same question for you. Well, I think we're gonna have to concentrate really on the primary grade, the K through eight, um, because once you get into high school, um, the district constantly says, we got these brand new programs, you know, that are wonderful. Uh, you'll see them in reading their, their, mag their newspaper, Building Futures, but I never see, well, isn't that wonderful? See? Oh, telemarketer. But I never see any programs listed in their Building Futures magazine, ah, Nancy Copperhouse, that says, these are the great programs we're going to use and implement that are going to bring a student's academic status upward. You know, you never see that. We always see we've got the doctor's program, I back in international baccalaureate and so forth, but never any programs that are going to help a student increase their learning ability, increase their, their, their reading ability, their mathematics ability. You don't see anything that, in that. The reason that uh, Slater uh, began to, to re go up academically was that the, uh, the, the state, the state uh, academic intervention team said, told the parents, you, your child is not going to be promoted to the next grade. 
if they are not a grade level. That was simple. So if they didn't get to be a grade level at the end of the school year, they were going to stay back. That gave that student great, great, uh, in it, um, a great, you know, wanting to, to, to do the work uh, other than saying, well, I'm going to be a, 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 you know, a nuisance in class because I know I'm going to get transferred or passed forward from fourth to fifth. You know, but now, you know, that's the thing we have to do. We have to let students know that you're not going to get passed forward. You're not going to get promoted until you actually do your work and until you are at grade level. And um, uh, I think we need to, to, to let the parents know that and make sure our students know that and to assist our teachers as much as we can in terms of helping them to, uh, to engage our students better um, in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. So the next question, uh, we've already sort of covered a little bit of this ground so far in the forum, and that is the conduct of some of the school board members has come under some scrutiny recently. Trustee Terry Sladek has been under a censure almost the entire time he's been serving on the school board. And a tweet recently from Trustee Viva Islas caused uh, some uh, upset um, concern, uh, a lot of pain, um, and a lot of anger from people who came out then to the school board and it ended up being very disrupted uh, for the second time in about six months uh, where they had to adjourn a school board meeting early because it there was so much um, happening that was not school board business. I'm gonna just ask you to answer this very briefly because you sort of touched on this, but what would your approach be if you were elected? Would you be a flamethrower, a team player or somewhere in between? And Russ, let's start with you. Well, first and foremost, the lack of professionalism has been appalling. Um, their failure to adhere to the respectful Roberts rules that should be getting used. Um, I, I don't think there's anyone right when everybody's wrong. And we just need to insist on getting back to the rules of civility and show each other the respect and patiently wait for a turn. I'm sorry, my pink one announces that I have a guest at the door, sorry. Let's, let's make all penguins and all phones go on silent if we can. All right, thanks, Russ. Uh, Andrew, same question to you. Uh, would you be a flamethrower, a team player, or somewhere in between? Somewhere in between, I guess, in the fact that uh, I would respect both the uh, people of the school board trustees, the administrators, but most importantly, the people that come the, from the public who come to address the board. Uh, our very, our present president, uh, Jonathan Rosas, has no idea what she's doing. I've been to board meetings, like I said, over 260 of them since 2004. I've never seen this kind of lunacy at a board meeting. And I've seen everywhere from parents getting upset and teachers during the, the recession in 2005 and so forth, to the FTA president getting thrown out of the building. But nowhere did, the, did you have to the next day bring armed, uh, no, a, a additional armed police to a, to a meeting and then to have them lined up in the, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, boardroom uh, intimidating people. And then to have the, the, the board president say, wow, there's 24 people. So instead of having three minutes, we're only gonna let you speak for two minutes. Even though it's, there's two hours 
before it's 10 o'clock, which the board meeting can go until 10. So board members that don't really want to be at a board meeting, board trustees that don't want to be there, they want to get home. It's disrespectful to the district and is a bad image. And I think that that has, has to change. Thank you, Andrew. And Daniel, same question to you. Okay, thank you. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I've been working in the community on various boards for over 40 years. I'm not a stranger to working with governing boards and bringing people together and finding a common ground. I always believe that we can work in the middle and find what we can all agree on and then move from there. Look at the easy solutions. And, and the distractions are distracting from what we the board is meant to do, and that is to work on student achievement. That is taking the time away from the real work that we need to do. Um, I think we just have to come together as mature adults and have an agreement and follow some rules and regulations and and get the job done. I, to, to answer the question, I'm someone in the middle who want to be a peacemaker. And I think, uh, you know, I have the experience to do that. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. Russ. It, if I can finish my response. Um, yes, I, I, I do um, believe that what he just said, and, and I tend to be the peacemaker in many situations in my life. I'm that mediary that can talk to both ends. I'm, I am a tweener politically. I'm not a far right. I'm not a far left. I'm a middle of the road kind of guy. And I have in many instances had to use those skills to be the intermediary in some kind of hostile situations. And Andrew, I did wanna say, I, I don't take offense that you didn't see me there, but do you see the shirt I'm wearing? Educate, not eradicate. And I'm turning around not to disrespect so that you can see I love that it, man. I'm wearing the shirt that I wore to the board meeting that they held at Fresno High and a, a couple yeah. others that they had. So. I, I haven't been completely a missing person as was accused, but I, I don't want to attack said, you on I it. I never because... said you were, my friend. I never said you were. I'm just saying that I've been to 267 of them. Okay, and that's and, 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 okay uh, hold on, time out. Andrew, it's Russ's turn, so let's let him speak, please. Thank you. Well, I, I just wanted to let him know that I've been a little more, I, I tend to be reserved and kind of try and stay back until I can make sense out of it. I don't want to speak up prematurely and then find out I was misinformed and need to pull my foot back out of my mouth. And so uh, if I'm staying quiet, I haven't formed an opinion yet, usually is where I'm at on that. All right, thank you, Russ. My next question actually kind of segues from the t-shirt that you just showed. And I, I think from uh, the comments that I've already heard tonight at the forum, the answer will be pretty obvious already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And, and it really, it, I just need a yes or no answer from you. Um, but uh, the issue of the Fresno High um, mascot, the school mascot, Carol Mills voted with the majority of trustees to change that mascot from the image of a, an American Indian. Um, and they, they ended up selecting, um, or the students, I guess, voted for the line drawing of Royce Hall and also the letter F. So if you had been on the school board then, how would you have voted and why? I think I already know why, but, but let's keep our answers short. I'm gonna start, Andrew, starting with you. I would have voted to uh, table it until after the pandemic when we had uh, in-person board meetings to allow the public 
uh, their opportunity to voice their opinion. Thanks, Andrew. And Daniel? Thank you. I am a proud family of three generations of Fresno High warriors. But I will tell you that uh, one of, the, one of the, my platforms is to provide a voice for students. So I support the students and their decision to change, to change the mascot. And they actually developed uh, another new mascot. So I support them and the process, the democratic process in changing the mascot. Thank you. And Russ, how would you have voted if you'd been on the school board and, and explain why you would have voted the way you are gonna explain? If I was forced to vote, I would have voted no, but I would have requested that it be tabled for more information and more community input. And I don't feel that the democratic process offered the students really was because keeping the old one was not one of the choices. And so therefore you can't really say, well, if I get to choose between this and this instead of retaining, and we keep calling it a mascot instead of an emblem. And there is an issue there. You see, as an emblem, it represents artistically as it did on the front mosaic. If you have a mascot that is in full Indian ceremonial garb and they're doing cartwheels and it's touching the ground, that is so disrespectful. There is a huge difference between a mascot and an emblem that represents. And so I think we need to kind of separate those issues a little bit and say, yes, I agree. We're not going to have someone dancing around in ceremonial Native American garb, uh, but we're also, you know, not going to destroy 120 years of history without getting community input. And the Naga, uh, Native American, uh, they've just had a big battle uh, over their Senate Bill 116 in Colorado, where they're forcing every public school to get rid of everything. And now they're saying, why are you erasing our history? We don't like the ones that had racist or were misrepresenting, but those that did represent respectfully, we kind of like those. So it, it's, it's not an over topic with the Native Americans or us gringos. All right, uh, I see both Andrew and Daniel would like to comment on that. I'm gonna start, Andrew, I saw your hand first and then Daniel, I'll call on you next. I have to go one further and that is uh, uh, like Jacqueline Kennedy O'Nashes did when she was, or Jacqueline Kennedy when she was in the White House, uh, she she developed a um, a pamphlet for the White House that showed and explained the different uh, art uh, artifacts that were in there. I would like to see the same thing done for each school, a pamphlet explaining the name of the school, who that person is, and how we came about uh, um, uh, determining what their mascot was going to be. That'll go a long way in terms of explaining and helping our our children understand who their school is named after, why and who they, who, what is representing them. And so we don't have this kind of uh, thing where we're gonna try and change history you know, uh, in the future. Thank you, Andrew. And Daniel? Well, as I mentioned earlier, Fresno High was uh, enacted in 1918, 1889. So in those years, I suspect that the Native American was an appropriate mascot, but not today. I will tell you, I went through uh, the uh, the school clubs at Fresno High. And I was looking for, and I honor and respect the Native Americans. 
And I went looking for the school clubs at Fresno High School. There is no Native American club. There's a Latin American, but there's no Native American. So I think they're sorely listening, missing the, uh, the, the respect and the honor of the Native Americans. So I'd like to see that uh, maybe in the future. All right, great. Thanks, Daniel. So we talked a lot tonight about areas where Fresno Unified um, needs to improve. But on the flip side, what do you think FUSD is doing right? And Daniel, let's start with you. Uh, could you repeat that question again? I'm sorry. Sure. We've talked a lot tonight about uh, ways, um, areas where Fresno Unified needs to improve. But on the flip side, what would you say Fresno Unified is doing right? <clears throat> I just muted myself. Well, we are receiving a, a $700 million from the feds and the state government over the next two or three years to be spent. So we really need to spend that money in early development, early uh, learners. I'd like to see money go toward, uh, naturally, the special education program. We have students that are homeless that need our attention and help. Also students who live in foster care. I, I would like to look at uh, how we can look at all the school systems and how we can improve the structures I know there are a few repairs that need to be made. We need to focus on that, repair those. We also need to refocus back on teachers and the tools that they need. Maybe we need to hire more teachers, smaller classrooms, uh, student uh, teachers' aides, so to speak, and uh, work on organizations that bring the parents back into the classroom. You know, uh, I understand, and I will tell you, my wife is a school teacher. And she'll tell me that uh, a teacher's job is always easier when there's more parent involvement. We need, to work, we need to work on programs to reach out to these parents. I'd like to see more money spent on school psychologists. Uh, I know I mentioned my grandson is, was a student at Fresno High School. So I have seen some, some issues with regard to maybe a little bit of depression and isolation. I'd like to see more school psychologists work on that. I also like to see positions created such as school social workers to reach out to families, to reach out to students. And, uh, you know, we've got to determine what, uh, what are the causes for maybe missing school. Uh, today, right today, I understand the absenteeism rate is the highest it's ever been. So there's a lot of issues that we need to reach out. We need to spend money to correct those problems. Daniel, I'm going to repeat the question because I'm not sure that you heard, but what I was asking was, and you've just mentioned areas where <laughs> President me. Unified still needs to improve. <laughs> yeah. What I was asking you was, what are the areas that you think they're doing, you know, getting it right? You know, in other words, that they don't need improvement. What can you point to that you think, oh yeah, this they've got, they've got that. I think you're on mute again. The the teacher rate at Fresno High School is 22 students per one teacher. I think they've got that right. I think they continue the sports programs, the music programs, and the art programs. Those are the right things to do. It is difficult right now. Uh, they're doing. I know they are working to make improvements. The pandemic absolutely put everything on hold. And we talked about all this evening. So we need to maneuver away and help navigate through the pandemic and then back it back on track. And so um, it's not easy. You know, it's, it's, it must be easy for me from the outside to look at it, all the faults and the problems from the outside. But I want to work from the inside to make, the, to make those changes. And, and the only way to do that is to get elected. Thank you. Russ, same question for you. What, what do you think Fresno Unified is doing right? They show up every day for these kids. Uh, the heart on some of my co-colleagues, co-teachers was incredible. Their door was open before school, gave kids a warm place and, and gave 
uh, adult who cared and would talk to them about what they needed for the day. That just opening your door and being able to communicate with kids. There are so many teachers doing that and they go unnoticed, but they sure did make a difference. It's like the kid on the beach throwing the starfish back and the old man says, you can't make a difference. Well, I made a difference to that one. Everyone that we've made a difference to is a success for Fresno Unified. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them that have done really well. And, you know, it's kind of like throwing rocks in the fog. Unless you heard something crash or bang, you don't know if you hit anything. And so when you teach kids, if they come back, that old one in 10 rule comes back to say thank you. For every one that came back to say thank you, figure there were at least 10 that felt that way. And, you know, teachers, some teachers more than others, uh, get 10 kids a year from the previous year coming back to tell them. So what does that mean that that teacher reached? Now, I couldn't reach every kid, but the ones I didn't, Ms. Wegerman could, you know, in the math department at SCAN. Uh, you know, the kids that didn't understand her understood me. Kids didn't understand me, understood her, but they had a caring adult that was there to meet them. And, and there are so many good and wonderful adults in Fresno Unified that their, their daily services to these kids go unnoticed, but not by those kids. Thanks, Russ. And Andrew, same question for you. What, what's Fresno Unified doing right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I was kind of a listening to this gentleman. It's kind of convoluted there. Um, they're building facilities um, using the school bond funds. Um, we got great uh, gymnasiums now. We got uh, great swimming pools. We got uh, great classrooms. Um, you know, I mean, um, really, the only thing I can point to is 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 the facilities aspect of it, because you know, it's, it's tough to get rid of that. We got great programs. Uh, we got great programs at our schools, at our high schools especially. Uh, I visited uh, university, or not, uh, excuse me, um, not university high school, but um, design science over on Fresno City campus. And that was, that was an amazing campus. That was an amazing school there in those classrooms. I was, I was looking at the kid and he asked me a question. Can you solve this problem? It was a calculus problem. I was like, hang on a second, let me look. And I looked at it, but ah, calculus. I love calculus. I just, here we go. He's, oh, wow, thank you. Be, Be so, so great, great that, that, uh, you know, that all of our students, students excel, excel, you know. Um, but, but we, 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 we have, have great programs. programs. I'll, I'll give, give us that. that. Um, the, only, the, only, the only thing, well, and we have great teachers. I'll give them that. There are like, a, uh, I'm sure Russ has pointed out too, and, and I've seen those. We have the few bad eggs. And I would like to see FTA uh, take a step in there and say, you know what, if you, we are going to help make, maintain, you know, uh, good, uh, good teachers, not just leave it to the FUSD. Right. Although we do good, although we give great training. And so, but um, other than that, we got great parents. And I think we have wonderful kids. So, We've got, that's how we've done great there. Thanks, Andrew. My next question is, what aspect of education will you be most passionate about uh, if you're elected to the school board? Um, and let's start with Russ. 
as Ben pointed out, the need for vocational education is huge. For so long, we have made every child feel like they have to go to college. If they don't go to college, there's something wrong with them. But quite frankly, I wasn't ready to go to college after my senior year in high school. I needed to have my butt kicked in the School of Hard Knocks. I got my doctorate in the School of Hard Knocks before I went back to college. I was a blue collar laborer, unemployed numerous times. And after that experience, I knew why I was at college. I knew why I wanted that degree. I knew why I wanted my straight A average. But I wasn't ready right out of high school. Vocational ed would have been great for me. And for many kids, it is that stepping stone that they can decide they want college later. They've got a career. They're ready to work, become taxpaying citizens. And yes, they do need to read well enough in that to be able to fill out a ballot, a job application, and all those other things. So, you know, we're not abandoning the reading, writing, arithmetic, three R's, as was said. Uh, we're ingraining that into things that students want to learn because they see a value. If they can see that this produces an income, they're more likely to do it than just because some old teacher with foul breath told them to do so. Thanks, Russ. Um, same question for you, uh, Andrew. What will be um, what aspect of education will you be most passionate about if you're elected to the school board? Oh, I think, uh, as Russ said, uh, CTE is going to be uh, uh, the greatest area of for our population due to the uh, <clears throat> due to its uh, economic dynamics. Uh, I visited um, uh, Duncan Polytechnic and was looking at those brand new uh, career technical career technical education buildings there, and I was engaging with kids who are doing welding classes and stuff. And they're showing me the projects. They're like, oh, check this out. And there's, uh, and the teacher's telling me, oh, well, we didn't have these items, but these kids built it. They went online. They got the specifications. They, they're, you know, cutting it up and making it and adding and subtracting um, uh, uh, fractions and so forth where they didn't do it before. And the kids are telling me, you know, before I didn't care about going to school. Now I've got something that is engaging me. And now I've got something that has said, you know what? I want to go to class now because when I go to class and I do these classes, I get to go to my CTE class and have really great time there and learn. And, and so uh, I think CTE is going to be the carrot uh, for most of our students when they get to high school. But we have to reach them at, at least in the sixth grade area so we can say, look, this is what you have to look forward to if you want to be a part of it. So you're going to have to start studying and buckling down. This way, when they get to high school, they won't be so far behind. Thanks, Andrew. And Daniel, same question to you. OK, thank you. Uh, my, my answer is simple. I never want to lose uh, focus on reading, writing, and math. We really have to focus on those three and prepare our students for high school and then beyond. Uh, in the real world, I, where I worked, uh, there were, we had problems with people being able to read and write, write a decent paragraph. When I go to the market, and I want change from a, a cashier who didn't finish high school. It's tough for them to make a change. So we have to really stay focused, I think, on the basics and never lose sight of that, the reading, writing, and math as we move them along through the grade system, through grammar school and through middle school and through uh, high school. I think we need to stay on focus. Maybe we need to test, reevaluate that, give them remedial training and maybe possibly tutoring. And 
that's 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 what I think. We just uh, and I, I agree with the others when it comes to vocational training. I never want. I also support those students that um, are not ready for higher education but want to uh, go into the trades and constructions. I support that idea as well. But even those students need to be focused on the reading and the writing and the math. So that's my basic answer. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. So there are a lot of concerns have been raised really for years about uh, Fresno Unified's special education um, programs and whether or not they're adequately meeting the needs of students. How would you rate Fresno Unified special ed program and would you commit to increasing the funding? And um, let's start, uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. I don't think the problem with Fresno Unified is so much increasing the funding as it is actually getting the services out to those students who need it in special education. Um, I've had parents come to me numerous times and say, you know, my child's in school here and I go to my principal, he's supposed to have this, he's autistic and so forth, or he's just, he has a speech, you know, has a speech problem and he, he's supposed to have a speech therapist, but he's not getting those services. And so I'm, I'm going to board meetings and I'm asking those questions, why, you know, why isn't the principal doing this? Why isn't my special ed administrator doing this? And the worst part about it is the special ed administrator or assistant superintendent for special ed isn't really, isn't really a special ed uh, uh, professional. So he has no idea uh, uh, what to do when it comes to special education. Uh, and so yeah. children fall through the cracks. You know, it's as simple as that. Uh, when Michael Hansen went there, I, I, I spoke to him and I know many of the people who he hired to be in administration. And the reasons he gave me were not, were not because they were actually professionals and were trained to be in those positions, but rather they were just gonna do what he wanted them to do. And that was gonna be the end of it. And because they lost those jobs were so lavish, they're not gonna say no to him. You know, so that has hurt Fresno Unified, especially in special education. And then during the time when Michael Hansen was there, they, they cut back on special education funding. And Bob Nelson has done nothing to, re, to re, reinstitute those funds. Um, and now they've got ESSER, but still they're not going towards a special ed. Um, so um, there's a problem there too. So just as a point of uh, information though, the district did hire um, a, a Tangi Panero uh, away from the Fresno County Office of Education, the Superintendent of Schools Office to step in to oversee special education at Fresno Unified. And I believe she's uh, um, seen as fairly uh, experienced and, um, you bet. And, and a very good hire so that it might yeah. be a sign of some improvement in the future. Because Brian Beck was not. <laughs> Okay, so um, same question though for um, for Daniel. Um, how would you rate Fresno Unified Special Ed Program? And I think you have kind of a personal interest in this. You've told me, and I do. And uh, my grandson uh, had numerous issues going through a variety of schools, and it's sad to say that almost on a daily basis, I would have to pick him up from school, uh, take time out of my day to pick him up from school because of some behaviors. Uh, schools were not prepared to deal with him. And I think the problem was. They, they were not fully staffed to evaluate him to determine what his behavior was. And I know they just hired recently some new psychologists, and that's so important right now. That It starts with evaluating students and getting the proper treatment and care. So at this point, I will say I'm very proud of my grandson at Fresno High School. He's in an excellent program. So uh, I have to say that uh, uh, before I was totally 
dismayed at the, the, the system, but I think I, I have confidence now that the school system is now identifying and recognizing the needs for special education. But clearly there's a, there's a need to really uh, pursue that further. So um, thank you. Thanks, Daniel and Russ. Uh, how would you rate Fresno Unified Special Education Program and, and would you increase funding to it? Well, obviously due to inflation, funding will have to be increased to just provide the same service we have been providing. Mathematically, that's just a fact. We will have to increase funding accordingly. But do we want to just throw money at problems without an accountancy and making sure that the money is being used effectively for the right purposes? Uh, yes, there are very many challenges in the special ed, especially in the, um, you know, emotional needs group. Uh, there are just so many problems. <laughs> um, you know, one of my friends used to uh, substitute at a school called Phoenix, and it was a good day when he didn't have a chair or a desk thrown in. And so, you know, it's easy to bag on the teachers, but in some of these areas, they are given such challenges. I mean, how many of you could handle one of these kids looking up and spitting right in your face and not be tempted to take their head off? Because it happens. And my friend who it happened to, I have to say, earned my respect. He trembled for a minute and then he quietly wiped it off. And he became best friends with the kid that spat on him. And the kid was begging him to just hit him and fight. And it, had he done it, the kid would have won. But the amount of control by some of these teachers and the amount of love that they can show these kids. It's amazing. Atticott Center, go there, see what they do. Isn't that though the role of special education teachers to recognize the challenges that specific students may have to, whether it's a behavioral um, issue or developmental issue and then be able to educate them accordingly and, and perhaps be expecting an outburst, for example, or something like that. It's unfortunate that it goes with the territory, but that they would be presumably prepared for it ahead of time. I also believe that uh, California still requires uh, a district be given uh, till a kid is 25 if they are in such special need areas. They, they That's get correct. To stay in yes school till they are 25. Yes. That's a lot of responsibility for the district. It really is. Well, let's move on to the next question. And that is about, we've, we've talked a little bit about this uh, to this point, but you know, it, it seems clear that Fresno Unified fell short during the pandemic. So many kids are so far behind right now, so much further behind than they were previously when they were already far behind. What does that say, though, about district leadership that they they have this huge gap that might be bigger than other districts are facing? Um, and let's uh, start, Daniel, if you could start it off. OK, thank you. Well, the district uh, provided a about a 33 page protocol of regulations of what to do during the pandemic. And it was just too complex, too convoluted. I'm not even sure why the staff was able to read that. 
What I had heard from the teachers is that there was uh, some inconsistency, no transparency. On a day-to-day -day basis, the policies would change and the protocols would change. So I think what we needed to do as a district, we needed to be consistent with how we dealt with the pandemic. And I think we fell, we fell down in many, many areas. Uh, we, I think we have discovered uh, where our faults were and getting back on track and providing uh, you know, in-class uh, in uh, instruction, which is what we already want naturally. So, but it did, took a while, it did take a while to get here. So I will say that uh, I was uh, somewhat disappointed with uh, the initial uh, call out on the pandemic and how we handled that. Thank, thank you, Daniel. And Russ, I know you actually told me you had personal experience with being a teacher uh, during the pandemic when everything went virtual and you decided that you didn't want to continue teaching because of that. What, what would you say that how the district fell short and what does that say about district leadership? I would say that school districts nationwide were just blindsided. And they were ramrodded with mandates told by people like Governor Newsom of things that had to be done. Their hands were tied. They were just given horrific information that wasn't necessarily true. So in retrospect, we can blame all day long, but that's kind of pointless. How do we pick up the pieces and move on is the real deal. And it's going to be all about uh, getting back to business. One of the big problems that I felt in the classroom was it was just too easy for my students to fake it uh, and act like they're in class on this program called Teams. Everybody would check in and we'd have to be there and, and the computer would say they're there. Uh, you know, they allowed them to not have their cameras on to prove that they're there because, well, some kids are not, you know, something might be going in the house. It's not appropriate to let you see. So rather than having, you know, dad walk by the camera naked, you know, uh, they, they said, oh, well, just let them leave their cameras off. And it just became this what they thought they could get away with because you weren't there in their home. And, and uh, there were all kinds. Of, I had one kid rolling a joint on his camera for, for his classmates to see. And, and then I had to get into reporting that. And I don't think they could have done that in my classroom. Um, but for them to be doing that on their computer screens and incriminating themselves, they don't realize they're doing. And, you know, it just became a fiasco, in my opinion, to watch that. Uh, the interaction, the human interaction of them actually physically coming into the classroom and telling you hello or good morning, it was all missing. And it was all contrived and too easy to fake it. And I know there were many teachers that were probably just loving it because uh, they didn't have to get up and go to school. They didn't have to pack a lunch. They did, you know, they just got to sit in front of their computer and, uh, you know, okay, well, this is independent practice time. And they're off in their kitchen making their breakfast, you know. They can't say they were.
because there were too many instances when my principal tried to get a hold of them and they weren't available. And, you know, so I know it happens, but I also know people have needs. But when you get people too comfortable and it's it just not a good situation. And I didn't like, you know, feeling like I wanted my face on this experience with my students. I, I no. No, um, we need a more personal one-on-one -on -one type to interact in a classroom uh, with the materials and, you know, without the distractions. Because kids would be on their screen and you could tell they were playing a game. Their, their eyes are going like this and they're smiling way too much for the subject you're on. <laughs> you could tell they were playing a game on the same screen that they were supposedly engaged in your class. So what, what should they have done to make sure that the kids, uh, should they have said, okay, you have to have your camera on. And if we see you playing a game that, you know, you're, we're calling your parents. I mean, what's the solution to that? Um, true parent interaction, uh, parental support is key. The parents who would come in and take a look to see what was on their kid's screen, you called the parent and they'd go, look, yeah, he's playing a game. Parents were usually honest with you and they'd go, and now you started a little war and, and sometimes it, it got ugly and you, you got a kid cut, kicked out of their house. Oh no, that wasn't the intention. But unfortunately, that's the kind of things that happens to some of our kids. You know, the number of our kids that became homeless because the last family member that was giving them a place to stay and their thing wasn't they were homeless or where do you live? Oh, I'm staying with, I'm staying with. And that is such an uncomfortable and hard place for a kid to find themselves in their last year or two of high school. And it, it is a lot more common than people realize. All right. Thanks, Russ. Andrew, to, back, to go back to the question, which was that if, if Fresno Unified fell short during the pandemic, what does that say about the district leadership? What's your comment? Oh, it's that um, the district leadership um, really um, dropped the ball. Um, in uh, 20, uh, 2018, I had gone to the school board and asked them to purchase tablets for the high school kids. Uh, they made that purchase and the district made the purchases but the tablets were never distributed to the students at the high school level. I went back in 2019 and said, we need kid to have tablets at the elementary and middle school level. The district appropriated those funds, the board did, but the district administration did not, or they purchased them again, but they did not distribute them to the, to the students. So when the pandemic hit, it was like, okay, you're gonna go home, you're gonna take your tablet with you, right? But they couldn't do that because why? All of the tablets were in the warehouse. So it took a long time to get all that unsettled, un, you know, un, un, unwound. And then I agree completely with Russ. Um, many teachers that I know who retired, uh, they retired 26 years, 28 years. They, they said, you know, to heck with this. I'm not going to go. I don't need 30 years that badly, you know. And they just said, they just threw their hands up and left, you know, um, uh, Many teachers told me, you know, like Russ said, you know, they instead of putting their pictures on those screens, the teachers said, well, I'm going to put the emoji on, let them put their emoji on there. That way I don't have to see what's going on at their house. What if a parent is hitting them or if 
They're playing a game when you in a in a, the school calls with the parent, and the parent says, Doggone it, I had to leave work because of you smack. You know, teachers are required by law to report that. What better way not to be not to be required to, to, to report it by putting up an emoji and not having to see it? These are things that went on in, across the district. And they just simply drop the ball and they just don't want to take responsibility for it. They keep saying, well, uh, the problem for, for poor grading uh, happens, has, has happened because of the pandemic. When in fact, this problem was occurring years prior. You know, they keep saying we have, you know, a, a 86% or 89% graduation rate. I had a kid when I was working as an electric worker in September come to me and say, you know, I, I want to register to vote, but he couldn't fill out the voter registration form. He, his mom went home, brought his diploma from Sunnyside High School. She showed it to me to, to, to tell me he is 18. And I'm like, I'm not saying you're not 18, but you graduated from Sunnyside High School and you're functionally illiterate. That's insane. But the district says we have an 86% graduation rate and we're proud of it. And every time I go to the boardroom every year, I ask them, what is the quality of your graduates? And when this pandemic is done, it's like they're going to be, I bet you at the end of this year, they're going to say, oh, we got a great graduation rate. But because of the, the loss of, of, uh, of education during the pandemic, I, I don't see how they're going to justify that. Yeah, and I think what you're bringing up is that the issue of uh, student performance has been an issue in the district even before the pandemic. That student who graduated from Sunnyside was being educated for probably at least nine years before the pandemic hit. Right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and move on to our next question, which is that the Fresno Teachers Association has a, a large say in what happens in the district. How will you partner with FTA to make things better for students and for teachers? And Russ, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Uh, well, I've been an FTA member for uh, 27 years. I was an FTA rep for six years with uh, Larry Moore as the president way back when. Right on. <laughs> and, uh, he's probably the best president they ever had yeah. with the district. He actually yeah. showed the intestinal fortitude that the uh, position required. I was really impressed with Larry. And uh, I, I, I worked with FTA. And, uh, you know, I agree with a lot of what they do. Uh, nobody is 100% right all the time. And so um, they have a lot of the right interests in mind, but uh, sometimes they maybe allow people to uh, skirt things that shouldn't have been skirted. And so I, I think, you know, the best way to deal with anyone is honest, honest dialogue face the facts, the truth, as hard as they may be, and then come together with the best solution that we can all agree on and put our greatest efforts into making happen. Thanks, Russ. And Andrew, how would you partner with FTA to make things better for students and teachers? Um, I would like to work with FTA to see if we can come together and design programs at the elementary and high school levels. Um, that are going to be cooperative, that both the administration and the teaching profession uh, can get along with. 
Um, I also want to see FTA take more uh, a responsibility for the training of their teachers. Um, they seem to rely completely and 100% totally on Fresno Unified providing training. When uh, in fact, I believe first FTA should take responsibility for their teachers. If there are teachers that are delinquent or deficient in their teaching skills, I believe that FDA has a responsibility to, uh, to hold them accountable and to help mentor uh, their, their, their teachers. Uh, and I think that uh, FTA should, should uh, be able to pay for a PAR program that, F, that Fresno Unified used to have and maybe uh, hire back some of the retired teachers that, are, that have been known to be uh, uh, exquisite as teachers and, and, and engaging and have them go around the district and, uh, and actually teach teachers how to teach better. That would be something I would like to work with FTA. So teacher mentors is what you're, sounds oh, like yes. you're talking about. Yes, teacher mentoring and responsibility. Thanks, Andrew. Daniel, same question for you. How would you partner with FTA to make things better for students and teachers? Thank you. Uh, thank you. I was listening to Andrew, and Andrew, you had actually had very good answers. By the way, I agree with those. You know, uh, when we when we look at poor test scores and so forth, we always blame the teachers. And I will tell you, that's not that's not really the case. It's much more difficult than that. Teachers are the boots on the ground, and I think we need to give them the time they need and the tools they need to do their job, whether they're smaller classrooms, whether they're uh, uh, additional substitutes, for example, or maybe teachers' aides in the classroom. So we need to give them the time they need. And they're overworked, by the way. I, I Take a look at a high school instructor who's got 20, 30 kids in a class, and he teaches five classrooms. That's well over 100 students. That is an enormous job. So I would like to partner with, with the FTA to work on some formulas and work on, and I, you know, I hate to repeat the same things that Andrew repeated, but but I agree with him on that. Uh, you know, have partnerships and join with them and work together to uh, to you know come to, to come to a really positive resolution on teachers. You know, that was that was one of my big uh, platforms is working with students, parents, and teachers. I think we should bring the teachers to the table and let them become part of the process. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. So, over the years, Fresno. Unified voters have been very supportive of the district uh, when the district asks uh, for approval of a bond issue. And so far, there's been multiple bond issues over the years. And I think over a billion dollars worth of, of bonding has been raised to uh, improve school facilities. But we still have some school spaces that aren't air conditioned and some that are just falling apart. Should Fresno Unified be planning for another bond issue, another bond measure? <clears throat> and uh, let's start with uh, Andrew. Um, I wouldn't support it simply because uh, being a part of Measure Q, Measure X, and Measure M, uh, the school district has always gone, well, let me start with this. When the school district first started their, their audit of the district uh, for the master plan, uh, it was said that it was going to take $1 billion to replace, remove all the temporary uh, uh, trailers and bungalows and upgrade our permanent facilities. But in November, Karen Temple stated that it's, by the, by the end of Measure M, we would have spent $1.8 billion on facilities. And yet you go to your local elementary schools and you see what looks like a trailer park, home and elementary. You go to, uh, you know, let's just to, to Wilson, you know, you go to, to, to roading and so forth. Uh, trailers are just, all over the place. And so I'm, I, I keep, I keep parents ask me, well, you know, I, I, they said on the, on the ballot, 
my school was listed there. And I said, well, that's a thing that the district does that they kind of lets you, they kind of say everybody's going to get some piece of the pie, but they don't. And the worst part about it is when they pass the ballot, after getting the money, they have a workshop and then the board does completely the opposite of what they promised the parents and the voters they were going to do with those funds. And I find that very, very disheartening. And so what I would like to do is should a bond measure come up, I would like to see what the projects are going to be that, uh, that that bond measure is going to pay for. This way, the board cannot pull a switch on the voters. That's what I would like to see. And when you, when you talked about trailers on campus, you're talking about portable classrooms, right? Portable classrooms, yes, indeed. And then the, the, the amount of money you just attributed to, to a quote to Karen Temple, that money isn't all the money that's coming just from Fresno Unified voters from the bond measure here from the property taxes that Fresno Unified property yes. are paying. Some are matching funds, but not as much as they as the district had said. If the district if had if if the district had kept its promise or had told us honestly, they said that we were going to get matching funds for every dollar that we got. So that means that we would have humongous, we'd have over $2 billion in terms of school bond funds, but that never came to be. So now we're going to have to go back to the public again and say, you know what? Yeah, we get do get some matches. I think this last one, electric Q, we got 50 million. I think in Measure X, it was only 100,000, 100, 100 million, but it's not as much as they say it's going to be. So, you know, um, but it's always that carrot that they put in front of you that deceives the people. So. I want to see the projects first laid out so that the parents know when they vote on it. Thanks, Andrew. And obviously the, the money we're talking about that comes from the state, that there's a lot of other school districts that are also in contention to get a portion of it. And in some cases, some of those facilities dollars, they can't be spent any old way. They have to be spent for specific projects that are specific to whatever the state funding source is. So Air conditioning, for example, we might need a lot of that here, but that might not be um, something that the state is willing to finance. Um, um, and so, um, Daniel, same question to you. With all the money that's been spent, but there's still a lot of um, needs in the district, um, should the district be preparing for another um, bond measure? Well, I wish to support, I wish to support uh, a financing uh, school system. Uh, what I do believe in, though, is oversight, and I do believe in pr prioritizing what this what the needs are we have some schools and some districts that need a lot of repair and so forth we need to really focus on the priorities and what we need to fix and we also need to manage our money with oversight a good example is that well, there was money to replace uh, air filters last year but the school district did not the money was there it was approved to do that and they did not do that that's a good example of not uh, spending the money that the money was there so Who's to blame for that? We need to find some. We need to find a way to oversight the, our spending. And yes, but to answer your question, yes, I do believe in spending more money, but it has to be, you know, accountable. I believe in accountable. I talked earlier about that. I was good. I was a good watchdog on taxpayer dollars. So I think we have to spend it wisely with oversight and prioritize our expenses and expenditures. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. And um, same question for you, Russ. Uh, I would definitely, as Andrew said, need more information on what the plans for such bond use uh, would be before I could possibly get behind it. 
Uh, I know in the past we've had issues that were very suspicious of were their administrators getting kickbacks for having hired specific companies. And as a teacher, when I would see this work come in and get done, I used to be a construction worker and it was like, are you, okay, this is union grade pay that they're getting. And why does it seem lower quality that they don't seem to be getting the bang for their buck that they're supposed to be? And you just have to wonder who's getting the kickbacks that is allowing this to transpire. And yes, accountability. I agree with both my opponents that uh, the need for great accountability in any new funding is huge and should be one of the most important things that we are spending the taxpayer money where we tell the taxpayers we are spending it. And I think that kind of integrity needs to come back to Fresno Unified because it's been very questionable. All right, thanks Russ. So now uh, we're at the portion of our forum where we're going to look for closing comments from our candidates. And I'm sure you're relieved because we've been sitting here for quite some time, but I really appreciate a very, very thorough uh, discussion of a lot of issues uh, for Fresno Unified. So uh, uh, Daniel, if you wanna start, if you have a closing comment. Okay, thank you. Um, my father was a single parent raising five children. So I, I know the struggles of being a student uh, under those circumstances. In 2007, my uh, children's mother passed away and I became a single parent. So I know the obstacles that parents are experiencing today. Uh, Fresno High has a very unique profile. The 90% of the students at Fresno High School are, are minority. There's about 90% who are economically disadvantaged. Of the total population, 75% are Latinos. So I feel that I are, is best suited to represent uh, that population. And I do think represent, representation matters. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Daniel. And uh, Russ, can, um, do you have any closing comments? Well, uh, one interesting thing that has transpired in my life that uh, does give me a little bit of a front row seat here. Um, my old principal of uh, DeWolf, uh, Rachel Maciel, um, called me up about a month or two ago and said they really miss the music program that I used to do there. And would I consider coming out of retirement to teach music classes? So for the last three Wednesdays, I've been going to DeWolf from uh, two until 3.30 in the afternoon to teach guitar lessons to aspiring young musicians. And she says it has really sparked a movement on the campus of positivity. Kids that were kind of loners sitting are now active members in the guitar club and are excited to come to school. So once again, I'm seeing that give them a reason to be excited to be there and they will do what they have to for that engagement. And to have another adult that cares and can actually call them by name. That's so important. And so many teachers fail to realize the importance of being able to call all of their students by name by the end of the second week of school. It, it was what I challenged myself with. And yes, when I had 42 in a class, 
five classes, 42. That was 210 students in my day. And they had until, I want to say, September 30th, something like that, to get the classes down to the class size of 36. Until then, I had more students than chairs. Deal with it, Alan. <laughs> I've been there. I, I, I've seen these things. And so I am optimistic. I'm exceedingly optimistic about the possible change that can come. And so I look to try and be a force in bringing about positive change. Thank you, Russ. Andrew, your closing comments? Um, I've been to over 267 uh, board meetings, uh, fighting for the rights of parents, uh, English learners, uh, uh, special needs students, uh, and also overseeing uh, um, uh, the uh, school bond funds are spent uh, correctly. Uh, Malik Elementary is going to have uh, uh, the board ratify its contract, and the uh, the the, uh, the renovation was only 75 percent done. Uh, when I went to the board with photographs, they had to take it off the agenda. So there was a lack of oversight there. I've made schools, I've helped, like I said, make Slater a better school. I received an award called uh, uh, um, um, for, for Your Excellence and for, for turning it around. When I went to Malik, uh, former Superintendent Hanson threw this gauntlet down and said, let's see you make a performing school better. And so I looked and I said, well, you know what? Let's see if we can build a science lab. I did. And without costing the district a penny and brought uh, science scores up, um, again, fighting students to get teachers in their classroom when they were in middle school and high school. So I believe if you want someone who's going to stand up for you and fight for your rights as parents, I'm the guy for you. I've proven it in the past. Thank you very much, Andrew. And this will conclude GV Wire's candidate forum for the special election of the uh, April 12th election for the Fresno High Area Trustee seat. Uh, the ballots, once again, will start going out on March 14th, so that's a little bit less than two weeks from now, and the election will conclude on April 12th. Thanks to everybody for participating. Thanks for those who watched us live or will watch us on replay, and good night, and don't forget to vote. Thank, Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Thank you Nancy.